Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. Today we're going to be talking about love. How do you love people? And it's not the L-O-V-E love, it's L-U-V. And we're using that acronym to talk about how we can communicate love to the other person. So real quick, let me just tell you what love means. L stands for listen, U stands for understand, and V stands for validate. We'll go into more detail about that in a second. But what I want to talk about first is a little bit about how using this tool saved my butt. (laughs) So Ruth and I, our first child, Hannah, she was about eight months old at the time. There'd be times where I was at the office and she'd be home with Hannah. And then there's times where she'd be at the office. I'd be home with Hannah. So we just kind of alternate who was going to be home and doing childcare and who's going to be at the office doing work. One day in particular, I had seen my last client and then I had come home and Ruth and Hannah were in the kitchen and Hannah sitting in her high chair eating her food. And Ruth had a client that she had to go see. So she ran out the door to go see her client. And I was there with Hannah and she had kind of finished eating. So I cleaned her up and I brought her upstairs because it was her bedtime. And then I put her down for bed. And then at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired. Maybe I should put myself to bed. Right. And so I got ready and I laid down in bed. And by that time, Ruth had finished her client. And then she had come back home and she came up the stairs. And the way our house is designed, you don't have to go into the kitchen to go upstairs first. So she just walked upstairs. She asked me, Tim, did you clean the kitchen? To which my reply was, no, did you ask me to? Now, if you're aghast by that statement, don't worry, you're not alone. We told the story in front of a group of about 60 to 80 ladies, and the ladies all gasped when (laughs) I said this. Now, if you didn't gasp, you're probably a man, and you didn't necessarily see anything wrong with that. Now, immediately in this moment, there was some type or level of miscommunication between the two of us, but we weren't fully aware of it yet. At this moment, she said, did you clean the kitchen? I said, no, did you ask me to? And then she turned around and walked away. Now, from my perspective, I was laying there in bed and I was thinking to myself, you know what? I think she might have been a little bit upset with me, but I didn't say anything. I just rolled over and tried to go to sleep. And for you, what was going on in your mind at that moment? So I want you to take a minute and just think, how would you have interpreted that statement? Did you ask me to? So the way I interpreted it was that he's not going to do anything unless I ask him to do it. And so it felt like everything and all the burden of it was on my shoulders. So instead of asking him and clarifying, I walked straight out the door and went downstairs and I just started cleaning the kitchen. And it wasn't like Mary Poppins cleaning and a spoonful of sugar. And it was definitely (laughs) some angry cleaning and scrubbing and... Maybe a few pots banging. Did you hear any pots banging, Tim? Uh, Fortunately, I did not. (laughs) So I used all that time just to stew. Instead of going back up and talking to him and clarifying, I allowed my thoughts just to go and go and go and repeat things like, He's such a chauvinist pig. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't that. But saying saying things in my head where it was like, Man, I have to ask him to do anything. I can't believe this. You know, the negative thoughts that come into your mind. And instead of capturing it and stopping it, I'm letting it go. And then I'm letting it get bigger. And then it's starting to apply to different 
areas in life. And none of that is true. Tim is a phenomenal husband and he's a phenomenal dad and he helps so much. But those thoughts, I just let go and go and go. And I was digging myself into a deeper and deeper hole. And I don't know how long it took me to clean maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. But in that entire time, I wasn't capturing my thoughts and I wasn't thinking on the right things. I was having a negative thought and I was running with it. And then I was allowing myself to have another negative thought off of that one and running with that. And soon I was so far off and I was so angry and bitter and just not in a good place. And this is not typical, but I allowed that just to run rampant. Now, I think it's so interesting that you recall it as 30 minutes to an hour because I genuinely recall it being like 10 to 15 minutes <laughs> later. Now, I wonder if for you it might have felt longer because of all the emotions that were going on for you and just how much it was building up. But when hmm. you came back for me, because I, I, I recall being in bed ready to go to sleep and if it were 30 minutes to an hour later, I'm fairly confident I would have been sleeping at that point. Oh, for sure. And so I think it was actually a much shorter amount of time, but because of the intensity of your emotions, it made it feel like so much longer that you were down there. Yeah, that's super interesting. It definitely felt like a really long time to me, but I could totally agree with what you're saying. If you're about to fall asleep, then you are probably right in the time. But it felt like such a long time because I was stewing and I was just angry and <laughs> feeling all the emotions, you know. Yeah. And this experience that we're talking about, this is something in the nature of eight years ago. So both of our memories might be a little suspect on what exactly <laughs> happened. Now, going back to my perspective of what was going on. So I'm laying in bed, you know, the lights are off and then she walks upstairs and then she opens the door and the light in the hallway is behind her and she walks in <laughs> and she's just like, Tim, can I tell you why I'm upset? And I was like, oh, no, I was right. She's upset with me. <laughs> she comes in and she starts explaining her perspective, saying, you know, when I asked you, did you clean the kitchen? And you said, no, did you ask me to? What I heard is that you're not going to do anything around here unless I ask you to do it. Now, in that moment, I immediately realized that there was a miscommunication. But I also know that jumping in and trying to correct that misunderstanding in that moment would only add fuel to the fire. It would only make her more upset or annoyed with me, even if I was giving her information that should change her perspective on the experience. So instead, this tool we're teaching you right now, I took my own medicine and I followed along with this tool. And so I listened all the way through to her to completion. I did not interrupt. I did not challenge. I did not correct anything that she had to say. I just waited. Then what I did was I made sure that I understood what she was saying. So I repeated back to her in her own words what I think or I perceive that she had said. And so I said, what I hear you saying is you don't think that I'm going to do anything unless you first ask me to. And then she said, yes, that's what I feel like you were saying to me. And then I went on to the validation phase and I said, you know what? It would be totally fair for you to feel that way if that were what I was saying. And then we moved on where now we're going to switch roles. So I was just practicing love on her. And now I'm going to ask her to flip to let me be the speaker and for her to take on the role of the lover. And so she agreed. And I said, you know what? When you asked me if I had cleaned the kitchen, I was really worried and concerned that you had asked me to do something and I just hadn't heard you or I forgot that you even asked me to. 
And so when I said to you, no, did you ask me to? I was trying to answer your question, but then simultaneously trying to get information to help me understand, was I being absent-minded? Now, that had nothing to do with whether I thought I should clean the kitchen or not, if she asked me to or not. It was just more around the lines of, I was trying to figure out like, oh man, am I having a faulty memory moment here? And a part of the reason why that is is because I came from an assumption where I felt like when she asked me that question, it almost felt like a trap. I felt like she knew that the kitchen wasn't clean and she was asking me that. For me, that came from a negative assumption on my part that caused me then to ask a question that was not properly formed so that it was easy to misunderstand. Now, the other part too is that this new information that I just gave to Ruth still has to be processed by her. So when I had told her this new bit of information to give her new perspective on what my meaning was, she needed time for this to actually take hold and affect how she felt about it, right? She walked into the room thinking I was a horrible, awful human being, and me giving her this new information didn't immediately shift how she felt about me in that moment. It still took some time for her mind to wrap around, okay, I had a misperception, and then time for that emotion to wind down. And so I didn't expect her, as soon as I gave her this new bit of information, to suddenly be completely happy and pleased. I knew it might take some time for her to settle down a little bit. Because of the way he handled it, it really changed the atmosphere. Because I was certain that my perspective on it was what happened. Because why else would you say, no, did you ask me to? And I went with that. And so when I came back up and I was so angry still... It could have easily gone in a different direction. If we had started off even with me just coming up the stairs and storming in and telling him all these things what I was angry about, that could have easily started it off wrong. But I came in and I asked him, can I tell you why I'm upset? Which then he gave me permission and I was able to share openly. And that totally helped me put myself in a state of mind. Okay, I know a blow's coming here. I know this isn't going to be an easy conversation. So I wasn't taken off guard. I had a moment to brace myself for her to say what she had to say. So if I would have just attacked him and told him, like, this is what you meant by this, and I can't believe you aren't doing anything around the house, and I went down that road of all the things you did wrong, it would have easily made him defensive. And then typically in relationships, I would imagine someone would shoot back, well, you do this, or I didn't do that because you did this. And now you're having this yelling match or this back and forth. But that didn't happen. Partly because it got started on the right foot, but mostly because Tim used this tool and handled this conversation so well. Because the first thing he did was listen. And typically in these types of situations, people would jump in and interrupt and say, no, I didn't mean that. And then it would be back and forth and it wouldn't give me time to process what he said because I am trying so hard to tell him what he meant and what he said. And typically the other person wouldn't allow that. Because he allowed that and listened to me fully and then made sure that he understood where I was and he validated me. And we have different, I think, words for what you said. But in my mind, he said, I can totally see how if that's what you thought, why you would be so upset about it. And that just allowed me to soften so much because it wasn't this unjustified or gaslighting or you're always overreacting. It was a validation That if that's what you were experiencing, I could totally see why you were feeling that way. And that was so validating for me. So it totally changed the direction of our conversation. 
So now what we're going to be talking about are some of the rules and roles when we're practicing love. Now, two of the roles are the lover and then the speaker. Now, some of the rules for the speaker are when you are the speaker, you are talking about one problem at a time. A lot of things that couples like to do when they start talking about problems is they start doing everything in the kitchen sinking. And what we mean by that is that once someone says one problem, what they start doing is they start talking about every single problem that they've had that maybe they've talked about before or haven't resolved or maybe they haven't talked about yet. And when that happens, it gets very convoluted. It gets darn near impossible to solve any of those problems when we start talking about multiple at the same time. And so the rule for the speaker is we're going to be laser focused. We are only going to talk about one problem at a time, and we're going to talk through that problem until there is understanding or until there is a resolution on that problem. Now, the other part of this is that one situation may have multiple problems attached to it. But we are going to pick the one problem that we feel like is the most relevant, and we are going to work at resolving that one. And then later on, after we've resolved it, then we can go on and talk about those other problems. Also, this one problem that you're experiencing now may have happened in multiple different other events. We are not going to go back to all those other multiple different events. We are just going to stick to this one, the most recent one that happened right now, and then we're going to talk through that. Another rule for the person who is the speaker is that I want you to try to limit yourself to three minutes or less when you're talking. Now, the reason for this rule is I can almost guarantee you if you're talking longer than those three minutes, you're not sticking to this rule of talking about one situation and one problem. You are bringing in multiple different other ones. The honest truth is you probably could say what you need to say in three sentences or less, but I give people that leeway of being able to talk for up to three minutes if they're, for example, like an external processor where they're just kind of thinking out loud, they're trying to come to a conclusion. And another reason to stick to that time limit is because it allows the person to be able to focus and remember what your points are so they can then respond to that. If you take it too long, they start to get distracted or they forget what they wanted to respond to in that time. It just allows for a great platform of being able to communicate in the here and now and not continue on with this for an extended period of time where it's not necessary. Because one of the most important things about this tool is that we are really seeking at getting towards understanding and resolution. We don't want to have this conversation again 15 other times, but a lot of times people say, well, oh, I already told them this, but you told them that in a slew of other different things that you are also saying. And they may have picked out bits and pieces of what you had to say, but then they didn't maybe even take home the lesson that you really wanted them to. So what we're trying to do with this tool is we're trying to make sure that the speaker is being very clear and concise with what they're saying and giving out their perspective and them laying out what they think that the problem is. Now we're going to move on to the rules for the lover. Now, when you are practicing love on your partner, a big part of this equation is you're listening and just taking in the words that they're saying. I don't want you to attempt to interpret them or try to have any type of counter arguments for anything that they're saying. You're just trying to listen. The whole goal is understanding and then coming to resolution at the end. So when you are practicing love, the first one is L, which is listen. Now, when we are listening, I really want you to listen all the way through to completion. I don't care if you think your partner's lying. I don't care if you think they're wrong. I don't care if you don't think they have all the information. You're just going to wait all the way through to the conclusion of what they have to say before you even think about what you need to say in response. 
this is a very important thing to be doing. I can't tell you how many times I've been working with couples where they ended up having what I like to call a nothing fight. And a nothing fight is, is when a couple doesn't listen all the way through to what the other person has to say, and they start projecting where they think they're going to go. And they interrupt and continue on the conversation as though their assumption of where their partner was going to go is accurate. And so I remember early on in my career when I was working with couples, we'd be kind of hashing through the situation. People would be interrupting, kind of going back and forth. And it would take about 45 minutes. But then near the end of the session, we'd come to this conclusion that both of the people actually ended up agreeing with each other but that they were interrupting each other so much that they didn't really realize that they agreed. And so what is happening is people are basically driving to the same destination, but they're taking two different roads to get there. But when they see that the other person's taking this other road, they're assuming that they're going to come to a different type of a conclusion. And so it's very important to just sit and wait and listen. I even tell people, if you think your partner's lying, letting them speak more gives you more opportunity to find out if they're actually lying. If they are lying, them saying more words gives you more information to determine if they are lying or not. So it's actually in your best interest to just sit there and let them say something. And then you have more information with which to identify what the lie is and where they're coming from. And so that may be a very uncomfortable thing for us to do on the other side of this equation to just sit and wait and listen. But you avoid these nothing fights. And I would say something in the range of 80% of fights that couples get into start off with misunderstandings. And so this part of just listening is integral in decreasing the overall number of fights that you have. But then also if there is a legitimate grievance when you're starting to bring up these points, it allows you to fully understand so then you can respond appropriately to what your partner has to say. And the you in love is understand. So in this phase, you're going to show your partner that you know what they're talking about by repeating back in your own words what you believe they were trying to say. If you get it right, you can move on to the next phase. But if it's wrong, go back and ask clarifying questions. So how you would do this is you would say, if I understand you correctly, you think that by me saying, did you ask me to, that I'm not willing to help you unless you ask me to, or I'm not willing to do anything. And then if the other person says, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's what you're doing. Then you know that you got it right and you can move on. But if you didn't get it right, then they would probably just say, no, that's not what I'm saying. And they would re-explain themselves. Or if they don't, then ask them to re-explain themselves and say, okay, what I think you're saying is this. Is that correct? And it's so important to ask questions. Me coming in the room and saying, can I share with you what I was thinking? Or why I was upset? Or can I respond to that? Or is that correct? Or is that what you were thinking? Those are all really good questions. And then ask them to explain, okay, I didn't get that right. Can you explain to me again what you meant by that? And this could be a little frustrating at times because it's easy then as a speaker to be like, oh, he wasn't even listening. And to get frustrated and go back into the spiral, right? But the whole point of this is to really understand and get on the same page without getting frustrated and interrupting and being defensive and throwing everything out the window. So part of this is understanding that they are trying to do their best to understand, but this miscommunication might be even deeper than you thought. And so a lot of times what will happen is we'll say the exact same words, hoping that they'll understand it differently. And so you'll say, no, I said, and you'll say exactly the same words. 
But instead of doing that, try and explain it maybe with a little more details or in different words or give examples. And I think this is a very important phase because if you're not understanding each other and you're just barely missing each other and you're talking about two different things, then you can't really get to a conclusion. Now, normally this is like a back and forth of one or two times. But Ruth, I remember one time you did this with me really well. We were talking through something and she had said something. I can't even remember what it was, but it really got under my skin. And then we did back and forth to the understand, back to the listening, to the understand, to the listening, like five or six times. Finally, she said something that made it click in my mind. And then all of a sudden, all the irritation I had started to drain away because the ways I was initially interpreting it were incorrect. But each incorrect interpretation I was having of what she was saying was really bothering me and making me very upset. Once we went through that next sixth round, when I finally understood, it took all of the sting away from what I thought she was saying because now I really understood what she was saying. And so I don't want you to misunderstand how important this phase is and just try to rush by it. It's as important as any other phase. And the V in love is validate. So remember, we're spelling love, L-U-V. V is validate. And this is that you're validating what they said by saying something like, based on what you said, it makes sense that you feel that way or that you came to that conclusion. Or I could totally understand or see why you would be upset if you thought that was what I was saying. And this really, like I said before, softens the blow and allows them to feel validated. Because a part of it is not just this intellectual understanding, but then this other part of knowing your partner gets the impact of what their perception of the situation was. And that can help soothe it. One of the things I always tell people is that if you're only thinking about people in an intellectual way, you're missing a large portion of who they are. The other part of them is emotional. So just showing them you understand them doesn't do a whole lot towards fixing the situation. Don't get me wrong, it's important, but the other part of this equation that also needs to be added in is soothing their emotions. And when you just validate what they're thinking and how they're feeling, not necessarily agreeing with them, it can go a long way to making the conversation easier. And in the validation phase, if your partner has you dead to rights and they're totally correct with what they're saying, this is also a great time to say, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry. But if there's another side to this, equation and you feel like, well, they're kind of making some assumptions and that's not really accurate as to what I was meaning when I said that, then this is a great time to flip the script now. And what flipping the script looks like is asking a question. May I address some of the things that you said there? And so you validated them. You said, I can see why you think or feel that way based on what you told me there. That totally makes sense. And now we're going to flip the script. Can I address some of the things that you said there? And if your partner says no, which is actually a fairly rare occurrence, but let's say they do. If they say no, you can't address it. You're going to take a five-minute timeout or break, and then you come back later, and then you say, hey, can I address some of the things that you said there? But assuming they say yes, you can address it, we move forward, and now we're flipping who is the speaker and who's the lover. The rules remain the same. Now, this is not a time where if you feel like your partner was being hypocritical because they did the same thing to you, and so you want to address that, this is not the time to do that. Because what we're looking for is understanding a resolution. If your partner is being hypocritical, the easy solution and resolution to that is, hey, you know what? I don't like that either. Can we both agree that we won't do that? And if they say yes, then boom, we're done. We don't have to move on any further. You bringing up how they were hypocritical is only opening up another opportunity for conflict to erupt. So now our partner has agreed, okay, now you may address some of the things that I said there. Now, 
we're moving on. So in this situation that we told you guys about, now my explanation to Ruth when it was my turn to speak was, you know, I can totally understand why you would think or feel that I was telling you that I wouldn't help out if you didn't ask me to. But that was not my intent. What I was trying to say was that I was worried that you had asked me to do it and I just wasn't paying attention to what you said or I had just forgotten. And so when I asked that question, it was more from a place of, did I miss this as opposed to I shouldn't have to do it or you shouldn't expect me to do it unless you ask me to. But the way I had communicated that to her left it open to the opportunity for her to misunderstand me. And so now I'm giving my perspective. And then when I gave that perspective, it allowed her to see I wasn't being nasty with what I said. I was really just trying to get information from her, but it was just in a sloppy manner. And I think one thing that's required here is giving the other person the benefit of doubt or trusting that what they're saying is true. And this doesn't just happen in one sitting, right? Like if someone has consistently shown that they're not trustworthy, then don't trust them. But this is for situations where overall we have the goodwill of the other person at heart. And in situations like this, it would have been easy for someone to have said, no, that's not what you meant, Tim. You didn't mean that. You meant this and stick with my own opinion. But then there's no resolution because he knows what he meant. And I'm sticking to this was your motive and this is what you meant by that. I also think if you're not going to listen to what your partner has to say, there's not really any point in having that conversation. Mm -hmm. And so if you're just going to stick to your guns of what you believe they intended, don't even bring up that conversation. But if you're open and willing to hear a different perspective, then it's absolutely a wonderful and amazing thing to bring it up. But you have to have, just like Ruth said, that benefit of the doubt where you're assuming your partner is a good person who has good intent for you. And when you listen to them, then you can adjust your line of thinking to connect with what your partner said. So one thing that you want to do is make sure that you're debriefing so that things like this or the same arguments aren't happening again and again. Oftentimes that comes with using scripts. And we're going to do a whole podcast on this in the future. But scripts are really important and we use it a lot in our marriage, in our practice, even with our kids. We try and help them to understand and learn scripts. So what that would look like for us is for me to ask, okay, the next time that this happens, what can I say to you or how can I ask you if something was done? And I think these scripts are so powerful because we had this conflict eight years ago and we've never had the same problem again because we found a really good script for it. Now, what we're looking for is what is my first off-ramp from the conflict and what is her first off-ramp from the conflict? So for her... Her first off-ramp would have been to say... So the script that we came up with for me was that if I want to ask if something's done, to be able to say, by chance, did you clean the kitchen? And once she says, by chance, I know right away she hasn't asked me to do this before. She's just asking for information. That automatically clicks in my brain where then I just give her the information. Now, if on the other hand, she said, Tim, did you clean the kitchen? Now, my new script to her would be, no, did I forget? Because that more accurately portrays what was going on in my mind compared to, no, did you ask me to? And no, did I forget is less easy to misinterpret. Yeah, and Tim's right. We definitely have used the script quite a bit now. So because we found that it really works, we stick to it 
and we've really avoided going through the same problem again and again. And that's a really important thing because I always tell people relationships don't normally end because of the big problems. They normally end because they're unable to resolve a small problem. And that small problem happens 500, 1,000, 10,000 times over the course of a long relationship. And it just becomes annoying and irritating and then puts you in a place where you feel hopeless because, man, we can't solve this thing and it continues to happen. And I don't think we're ever going to figure this out. So I always tell people, you don't want to overlook these small problems. You do want to come to a solution and resolution to it because it's just this slow burn of discomfort when they don't get solved. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We really hope this tool is helpful for you and that it'll help you to communicate better with your spouses. All right, we'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.